You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal, and each week we bring you all the information that you need to know about health care and give you and equip you with information so that you can advocate for yourself and for your family um, and uh, be able to get the kind of quality health care that you and your family deserve. This show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only health care think tank in the country um, that is run entirely by physicians. And the uh, Docs for Patient Care Foundation is dedicated to the doctor-patient relationship and um, and healthcare freedom for all Americans. Our uh, website is www.d4. Um, pcfoundation.org and uh, we need you to uh, just visit our website and look through there there's information there on a regular basis that will augment what you hear on this show and uh, help you so that you can help yourself with regard to understanding the issues in healthcare and right now those issues in healthcare are no more important um, than they are in this coming election, um, both at the um, national level and at the state level, and uh, it's this is a, a, a probably the central issue that all Americans are facing now. And the, talking about this today is my very very special guest and dear friend who's been working um, in healthcare for a long time. I have had the privilege of being able to uh, work with her hand-in-hand for over a decade uh, on healthcare issues. Um, uh, She's the uh, president and CEO um, of the Pacific Research Institute, which is a San Francisco-based think tank, um, and uh, she's a uh, an advisory board member of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. It's my honor and privilege to bring in uh, today um, my good friend Sally Pipes. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Hal. Thank you for getting up early on the West Coast time so you can join us here on the doctor in the doctor's lounge early. Uh, East Coast time. Right, right. Well, no, you're welcome. It's, it's such an important issue, as, as you pointed out. Well, you know, the, Sally, you have, you've been um, just an absolute uh, voice in the wilderness um, uh, trying to uh, be the Paul Revere, if you will, of health care and alert people about... Um, the danger that we're facing as a country, um, the the looming danger of uh, trying to take health care in a direction that uh, some people in this country want to take it. And you've written a, a book, which we're going to talk about. You've written a number of books, but your newest book, False Premise, False Promise, The Disastrous Reality of Medicare for All, I think is uh, probably um, one of the the best work that you've you've uh, put forth. So we're going to um, concentrate on that and and uh, tell everyone today about uh, what why you wrote this book and what this all means. And and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just get started by asking a question. Um, 
why why do you think that um, uh, beside the frustration with the high cost of health care, why do you think that this notion about single payer slash socialized health care has become so such a popular concept as it has become? Well, uh, yeah. Well, I think how that you know back in 2016 when uh, Senator Sanders was running against Hillary Clinton for the Democratic nomination for president, single payer, i.e., no private insurance allowed at all, um, really sort of finally came into the fore because he talked nonstop about it, and subsequently has introduced um, a number of bills uh, in the Senate on taking our health care system entirely into the hands of the federal government. So, you know, it, and it sounds, it sounds like a good idea because he gets up and says, you know, everybody will be covered. Everybody will have the very best care. There will be no co-pays, no deductibles, and, um, and it will all be free. And, of course, we know that it won't be free. And um, so it, it's really sort of come into the mainstream. And I think, you know, a, a new poll just came out from the Kaiser Family Foundation showing that 67 percent of those people who support the idea of Medicare for All or single payer believe that they can keep their current health insurance plans because in the um, employer-sponsored market, um, 180 million Americans have employer-sponsored coverage and 71% rate their coverage as good or as excellent. So people don't really understand, I think, what single-payer means. They think that's for other people. It's not It's not for them. So we have a big job. You at Docs for Patient Care and myself as an economist have a big job to explain to people and educate them on what it means when the government fully takes over our health care system. But it is in the mainstream. It's in the polling. And I think it all started with Senator Sanders back in 2016 when he was running the first time. So um, why do you think this is caught on? Um, well, I think it's caught on because it's, the sound bite sounds great. Free health care for everybody. And I think that that, that is the issue. People think, well, you know, my health care costs a lot. Obamacare did not really, you know, work. Only about 8 million people are covered on the, um, on the exchanges. And so people are finding that, you know, if they're in the, in the exchange market or in the individual market, their deductibles are high. The average family deductible is about, you know, uh, $12,000 to $14,000 a year. Middle-income people can't afford that. And so when, when someone like Senator Sanders gets out on the stump and hammers away that single-payer health care will get rid of deductibles, premiums, everything, and your care will be free and it will be the best you can imagine, it, 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 sounds, it, it sounds like a great idea with, before you get into the weeds of what it really would mean for Americans' health care. So um, it, it seems like this is a, an uphill battle trying to debunk what Senator Sanders and virtually all of the Democrat candidates are are um, advocating, and um, they've they've got the um, the the assistance of a media that is that is just you know so so disingenuous that uh, how how what's what's the best way beside writing books or op eds of really trying to educate the public about what's going on. Well, I mean, that, that, that is our, our big issue because the mainstream media, of course, is supporting um, the, the whole idea and, and in a big way, and they have a lot of, um, a lot of people who, who listen to them. So we have to continue to write op-eds, 
go on talk radio, do shows like you're having. Because part of the problem, too, is that the doctors themselves, you know, the American Medical Association represents about only about 20% of doctors, but they increasingly... Um, far they less than that, members. actually. Far less than that. So, well, but anyway, it's not many, but the American public thinks that every doctor is a member of the American Medical Association. True. True. And they're really moving um, 50, only um, 47% of the docs that they're meeting last um, summer in Chicago voted for Medicare for All. Who would have thought that five years before that never would have happened? And so docs don't understand. Part of the problem, too, is that in the medical schools, as you know, the docs that are teaching young medical students are very much in favor of, of single-payer Medicare for All. They're employed by a university, and they, they think that the healthcare system is terrible. So students coming out of the medical schools now, in the, for the most part, believe that government should run our healthcare system. So we have to get out. We have to do shows like you're having do get in the mainstream, do debates. I mean, I've debated, you know, um, the, the, uh, the head of um, the uh, Physicians for National Health Insurance on Intelligence Squared. I've debated so many people. But we have to get out and, and tell in a debate and tell in a way that the American people can understand that if the government fully takes over our health care system, it will be no different than it is in Canada, where I'm from, and where the government there's no private coverage for anything considered medically necessary. But because the government is only willing to spend 11% of gross domestic product on health care compared to 18% in this country, the demand is much greater than the supply, and therefore you get long waiting lists, you get ration care, you get a doctor shortage, and of course taxes are high. When Sanders gets up on the stump and says the American family on average pays $11,000 a year in health care, and it's, he says it's free in Canada. Well, it's not free. The average Canadian family pays $13,311 a year in hidden taxes for a system where the average wait in 2019 was, from seeing a primary care doctor to getting treatment by a specialist, was 20.9 weeks. Now, that's over five months. So that's, that's what, ha- what happens when government is in charge. Older people have less access to care. Care is rationed. And, um, you know, you, you have a doctor shortage, and that, that's what's going to happen uh, in this country if Senator Sanders becomes a Democratic nominee and actually defeats uh, President Trump in the election. Then the other candidates, as you say, I mean, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, was initially very much in favor right away of single payer, but when she came out with her cost estimate of $20.5 um, trillion over, over 10 years, um, she was hit. And so she went back and said, well, I'm going to support the public option, which would be a stepping stone approach to single payer. It would mean there would be, in the market, there would be a government insurance plan to compete against private insurers. And we know what that means. The government would price their plan lower, and so people would move into the government plan. And before you know it, as as Senator Warren said, she would have, uh, in the first 100 days, she would introduce a public option. And in year three, she would introduce single payer because people that were on the uh, that had the government insurance would like it so much they would want single payer but all of the candidates other than Sanders have moved to this stepping stone approach uh, to to single payer but but it's all basically the same thing it's just how fast are you going to move there I heard something interesting on the radio on the way in today uh, somebody talking about um, Bernie Sanders and his 
um, allegations about billionaires buying the election, like um, like Bloomberg or Steyer, and this this um, fellow who is being interviewed said that what people don't realize is that Bernie Sanders is buying the election. He is he is using instead of private money to buy an election, he's using public money to buy the election, telling everybody that everything will be free. And uh, so, you know, he's he's just as um, as dishonest as the people who he is uh, alleging are trying to buy an election using their own money. Well, exactly. And, you know, he keeps, you know, hammering that every, you know, there's so many billionaires out there who are, but you're right. I mean, he, he is doing the same thing. Government, of course, doesn't have its own money. We, the taxpayers, you know, fund the government. And his plan, which initially he even admitted would cost 30 to $40 trillion over 10 years, um, and, of course, um, finally he had to say, well, you know, how it was going to be paid for. And it has to be paid for um, by by new taxes. And so he's talking about, a, you know, a 4% um, new income tax on people earning over, um, over $29,000, a new 7.5% payroll tax, a tax on the wealthy, a tax on large financial institutions. But when you add up what he's, uh, the, the taxes that he's talking about, he's, that adds up to about $17.5 trillion over 10 years. Where, where is the difference between 17.5 and, and 30 to 40 trillion dollars over 10 years? So that would have, the taxes would have to be even greater and the, 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 the or, and the other things that would happen would be that the doctors would have to be paid, as he admits, doctors would be paid 40 percent below what, what, to, what they're paid today. They'd be paid 40 percent below. They'd be paid Medicare rates, which of course, you know, a lot of doctors don't take Medicare patients because the reimbursement rates from the government are so low. But that's another way where, you know, costs could be cut. But what'll, that will have a negative impact on doctors practicing medicine. A number will, of course, retire early from medicine. And I, my big worry is that if all doctors are public servants and they're, they're not, you know, they're not being paid for what they're producing, that the best and the brightest young people will not go into medicine um, because... Because there's no incentive, you, you will be the government will determine how you're going to practice medicine, what you're going to be paid for procedures, just like in Canada, and you know you may be how the very best uh, pediatric urologist, I may be the worst, but we would be paid the same because that's how his government plan would 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 work. So this is going to be very expensive. Doctors are going to be hit by it because they're not going to be paid what they're what they're worth, and he has not taken into account the fact that when people think something is free. They will demand a lot more of it, so the demand for healthcare will be much greater than 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 can be supplied, and therefore, you know, you will get long waiting lists, ration care, and all of these other issues. So he is being dishonest in lying, in telling the American people that their healthcare will be free and everyone will have the best. You know, I'm going to push back a little bit because what you've just said about me being the maybe the best getting paid the same as the worst in my specialty the um, that's that's already happening in this country it's because almost all care is being paid through um, through third-party payers 
and and so there really is no competition. There is no um, the only the only thing that distinguishes uh, two doctors is reputation, and and uh, the better doctors get more patients, but they don't get paid necessarily any more than the worst doctors. And that's part of the problem, and that's part of where we've um, gotten to with healthcare, which I'm going to circle back to in a second. But um, you, you um, in your book, False Premise, False Promise, which is a must-read, and, and people should uh, go to Amazon. It's available on Amazon, correct, Yes, Sally? it is. It is. And it will be available shortly in an audio version as well. Absolutely important for those who have these long commutes, and so so uh, I, I encourage everyone to uh, go to Amazon and get um, Sally Pipe's book, which which will help to um, educate you about why the the Democrats' plans from top to bottom are so wrong and so dangerous, and based on a, on just a, a stack of lies. Um, it, it, you, everyone must read this and buy more than one copy so that you can give it to um, a, uh, a millennial who who doesn't know um, anything about economics, let alone healthcare economics. And this is such an important thing for everyone to do. Um, Sally, in your book, I want to just get right to it. At the very beginning, and this is a point that Senator Sanders makes in every single debate that he has, he's you know he stands up there and he'll go, America is the only country in the world where uh, we do not provide universal care for all of our citizens. So, Sally, if you were debating Senator Sanders, um, and the question came up about is health care a right? Um, you you talk about this in your book. Will you um, w- why don't you why don't you um, respond to how you would answer that question in a debate with the senator? Right. So that is one of the main things. Healthcare is a human right. And in the early debates, um, one of the moderators of the of the debate asked the candidates if they believed that healthcare was a human right, and they all sa- they all said yes. And um, and so the question is, is healthcare a human right? Well, in America, we're entitled. We're uh, we are, we are entitled to we're, we we um, support life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are that is our our motto. the The idea of healthcare being a human right um, is just it, it's not. Healthcare is 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 neither a right for many nor a privilege for the few. It's a good and service like any other service. How I mean, if if healthcare became a right, well, what about food? If we don't have a right to to food. Um, people would starve. It's more important than than a, a right to health care. But de- by declaring a right to health care, that is greenlighting essentially an unlimited demand for health care, it's not miraculously going to engender an unlimited supply to meet that demand. And so it, it's unclear what a right to health care would really mean. Does it mean the right to the top-notch care, or does it mean that it's a right to equal care, which is, of course, in Canada, where they have single payer, um, yes, everybody has access to health care, but they have the they have the the right to care. But it's the right to equal care, and the fact that you know, in many cases, if you can't get care, what 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 good is your care card? 
And so would the government have the right to ban people from paying for better care? Well, under Senator Sanders' plan, yes, that would be the case because there would be no no private care. Does the right to health care come with any corresponding duties? If I have a right to health care, would the government have the right to tell me to keep myself healthy? Would I waive that right if I were a smoker or I were obese? I mean, these are hypothetical things here. But in the U.K., for example, patients are eligible only for, for certain procedures if they lose weight or, or they quit smoking. Um, if, you're, um, if, you are not, if, you, if your vision seems, you know, blurred and you go to the, the GP well, and you probably have cataracts, well, the British, under the National Health Service in Britain, they, you have to be, have a certain level of, of blindness before you're even eligible for cataract surgery. So if healthcare were a right, the demand would be much greater than the supply. We would have long waiting lists, and it's, it's not a right because the government would be determining what, how large the right would be, and it would be a disaster, Hal. You know, you, you've written a, uh, an article um, that, that uh, came out two days ago in Newsweek about doctors who support Medicare for all should be careful what they wish for. And um, it ties in with so much of um, what we're seeing right now, Sally, aren't we? The, the doctors who are supporting Medicare for all are, are the same doctors who are... Um, who are uh, standing in front of the microphone at the AMA, the same doctors who are being trained in, in medical schools around this country with um, no real-world experience. Uh, I guess where, where I'm going is that um, I think that we're t- even talk- having the conversation about socialized health care, socialism versus capitalism, because... Our education system has really failed us, and it's it's um, it's it's you know this is going a little bit far afield. But I think that the people who are um, who are uh, falling victim to the to the um, the lies of the left are are so um, brainwashed or uneducated, and uh, and it's important to get them to to uh, to open their eyes and see what's happening around the world in different systems and and uh, is that is do you think that that's possible Sally well I mean th- this is one of the reasons why I keep hammering away about you know the Canadian healthcare system which I grew up under because people think that, that Bernie Sanders tells them that the healthcare system in Canada is free and that everyone gets the very best health care people think, well, that sounds like a great idea, and they, they think the same about, you know, Britain's National Health Service, where even, um, you know, why is it, as um, for, uh, Lady Thatcher, Baroness Thatcher's former Chancellor of the Exchequer, Nigel Lawson, said, you know, the health care system, the National Health Service, which is 71 years old, has always been, you know, a disaster, it's been very expensive, and it's not meeting the needs of the British people, but why is it that people, you know, in a poll will not say that it's a bad system. And he said it's because health care in Britain is seen as a right and it's seen as a religion. You can't criticize it. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it is it is a, a disaster. But we're seeing, you know, as we've talked earlier about doctors and the members of the AMA, the um, American College of Physicians, 
They're um, the second largest physicians group in this country. They um, have come out in support of, of Medicare, Medicare for all. And the young docs, as you mentioned, coming out of the medical schools, you know, are increasingly moving to the left. There's now a Students for National Health Insurance, which, you know, on the other side, we have the, the Benjamin Rush Institute, which is trying to counter all of these arguments. But it's very difficult because when the students every day hear the fact that government should take over our health care system, the insurance industry, yes, there are problems, as you mentioned, with a third-party payer system, and there's not a lot of competition. But when, as my cousin, who's an ophthalmologist in Vancouver, Canada, he has um, a, a global budget for how much he can you know, earn as a, as a cataract surgeon, and by November, his global budget for what he does is, is finished, and he can't get paid for any more surgeries, and he can't um, accept private money, so he goes on vacation for, for the month of December because he can't, he can't get paid. And, so, and he, he says, you know, why is it that people, dots in America, think if the government is the sole payer, it'll be terrific? Everyone knows that the government is very late in paying out bills, and if all private, um, if all people in the insurance industry, which is about a million people, lost their jobs, the government would have to expand its um, number of employees to, to pay out the doctors and pay the claims, and they would be dictating, you know, how much you're going to be paid for a certain procedure and how, how long it takes to get paid. It's going to be a complete disaster. People, you know, are critical of the post office, they're critical of the DMV. Well, these are the people that would be running uh, the health care system and would be um, deciding who gets paid and how much you get paid and when you get paid. Well, you know, th- there's... Um you know, clearly a, uh, an important um, debate that needs to be had, and I would love to see this happen because right now, you know, people are uninformed. You are involved, as am I, in this um, national effort to inform people called Healthcare for You, and um, this is a uh, um, an effort to try to make people understand that the um, single-payer system would deprive them of the ability for them to choose their doctor, choose where they uh, are taking care of, um, to decide what kind of care they're going to have. When they learn that this will be taken away from them in a single-payer system, they change their opinion about about, uh, socialized health care. Right now, um, I think the number in their poll of 20,000 uh, individuals who were, who were surveyed was that 79% of people would be willing to pay um, more in taxes to um, get health care off their plate. But when they learn that they wouldn't be able to keep their doctors or choose their health care or do any of the things that they currently are doing, they, they change their mind. Well, exactly. And then, you know, in the, the Kaiser poll where, you know, 56% um, of people polled support uh, Medicare for all single payer, 68% are now supporting the, the public option, the stepping stone approach to, to single, single payer health care. But when you, and when you ask them, well, as I talked about earlier, 67% believe they can, uh, that support single payer believe they can keep their current health care, that support then goes down to 37%. And yeah. when you ask them, well, would you be prepared to pay higher taxes uh, for the government to totally run the health care system? That support also goes down to 37%. But 
So this is the problem now, that people in America don't understand what, what this single payer means and the fact that also, in addition to, you know, could you choose your doctor with the best and brightest people still be practicing medicine, you have issues with with hospitals. Hospitals would be owned, owned by the government. You wouldn't have the latest um, technology, the latest in CT scanners, MRIs, PET right. scans, all of these things. In a country like Canada, there are only 16 um, MRI machines for every million people. In the U.S., we have 44 per million. In yeah. a country like Lithuania, that was, you know, communist, there's now 24 CT scanners per million. So the hospitals would not have the best, um, right. the latest equipment. Right. And these, these are diagnostics are very important. I mean, this is one of the reasons why in America right today we have the, the best uh, cancer survival rate right. five years after diagnosis compared to, you know, countries like England where England ranks the last among international uh, democracies right. in terms of cancer and I'm going to stop you there and pick this up in the in the second half. My guest is Sally Pipes. We're talking about socialized health care. We're discussing her book, False Premise, False Promise. And uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk about specific examples that Sally um, talks about all the time and enumerates in her book. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the Doctor's Lounge with my special guest today, Sally Pipes, who's the president and CEO of the Pacific Research Institute, who um, writes regularly for Forbes as well as other national publications and just released her new book, False Premise, False Promise the disastrous reality of Medicare for All, and we're discussing that. And it is absolutely a must read. I know that everybody always says that about books that come out, but this is the um, topic that will change America if we go down this road that people like Bernie Sanders are trying to take us. And uh, Sally Pipes tells the story about why this has not worked in countries like Canada and Great Britain and why when countries are moving away from socialized health care, why on earth would we move towards it? And um, 
you know, snake oil salesman like Bernie Sanders, who is a avowed socialist or communist or whatever you want to call him, an anti-capitalist, um, for people to believe that that stuff that he's trying to peddle um, exposes um, laziness and ignorance on on people's parts um, to uh, to swallow that that uh, nonsense. And so, Sally, tell us about why in healthcare this is absolutely um, the wrong direction to go. So, Sally, you, we we broke it talking about cancer, how it's so much, um, the outcomes are so much better in the United States than anywhere else in the world, and that is unquestionable, unquestionable. Um, uh, you gave some examples in your book. The one, you know, that I, that I want you to share with everyone is about the, um, about the little boy in, um, in Great Britain with the brain tumor. Right, that went to that went to Spain. Yes. Um, yes. This is um, so. If everyone remembers the Charlie Gard story when his parents were denied their they, their son was their own child, and they couldn't take him to to Boston, where some doctors were willing to, um, you know, use some very new modern techniques on and trying to you know keep his son, their son alive. Well, there's so many more stories like that, and the family that um, lived in the UK who their son had cancer and there was no they were told by the docs in the National Health Service that there was no hope for their son and so they went to Spain and um, had where there was treatment that was available that would, would allow him to you know extend his life and, and maybe be cured uh, from cancer and of course that is illegal because the government says that that was illegal for them to go to Spain and they were arrested in Spain for taking their son out of the country to get the kind of treatment uh, that was going to allow him to live. And he is still, this young boy is still alive because he had, you know, excellent uh, treatment in Spain. And so this is the government, if, if the government takes over our health care system, government will be making decisions for families rather than allowing families and doctors to make the decision uh, for themselves. If you um, think of in, in Canada where all health care is in the hands of government for anything considered medically necessary. And so if you think of the crooner, Michael Buble, who I'm a huge fan of his Christmas album, he lives in Vancouver, where I'm from, and his son at age three, uh, Noah, was diagnosed with liver cancer. It was terrible. The family was devastated. And um, Michael Buble and his family didn't stick around in Vancouver wondering, you know, when could he get treatment? Would it be the latest treatment that he could get uh, in Vancouver through the BC Cancer Agency? He went to Los Angeles with his family, and they went to the um, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. He, as he said, we had excellent doctors, we got excellent care, and our son has been cancer-free for three years. But, you know, he wasn't arrested for doing that, but, but the Bublais had the opportunity um, to, there was an escape valve for them, they could come to the United States. Where are people going to go if we have the government fully take over taking over our health care system? There won't be the latest procedures, the latest treatments, all of the exciting things that are going on with immune therapies today. They won't be available here. And where will we go? There's, you know, there will be nowhere for Americans to go. People come here from all over the world. And, you know, in the United Kingdom, for example, they have, Bernie Sanders says they have a single-payer system. They don't. They have a universal coverage system, which in which 
the National Health Service covers about, you know, close to 90% of patients, but private care is allowed. And for when people think the waiting time on the, on the, um, the waiting time to get uh, treatment in the UK is too long, they use the, they use their, their private uh, coverage. And so, and in, as you say, how in countries like France and Germany and, 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 um, um, England with, with these universal coverage systems, the government programs are running out of money. There are delays and things. So they, these countries have a private option. What Senator Sanders is talking about is taking away any private option and putting us in a Canadian system. And, you know, in Canada, Canadians, as I say, Buble had an escape valve. 608,000 Canadians out of a population of uh, about 37 million have crossed the border and come into the U.S. and paid out of pocket for MRIs, um, um, heart surgeries, all of these things that, you know, they find that the waiting time is just too long. Um, uh, Rolling Stone frontman Mick Jagger, when he was diagnosed with a heart problem, um, he didn't go back to the U.K. and have the surgery done um, under, under the National Health Service. He went to New York and went to New York Presbyterian and had his surgery done privately. And as his brother, his younger brother, who's 71, said, at least Mick has not got to wait in line for the National Health Service. This is what will happen to all of us, and there won't be an option for, 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 for us to go, go to. And, we'll all, and it will result in um, lower life expectancy um, in, in, in the U.S. and higher rates of infant mortality and things. As I say, people come from all over the world here to get the latest treatments. The former premier of, of uh, Newfoundland, uh, Danny Williams, when he was diagnosed with a heart problem in Canada, um, he was told there was no, there was no uh, hospital that could take him in, 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 in a timely manner. And so he went to Mount Sinai Hospital in Miami, paid out of pocket for his heart uh, valve replacement surgery, came back, and the Canadian media, just like the U.S. media would, were like, how could you possibly go to the evil capitalist United States and have your surgery done and have to pay for it. And Danny Williams said, it's my heart, it's my life, and it's my choice. If we get the government takeover, there won't be a choice. And I think this is why it's so, so important for the American people to understand what the British system does. There are over 4 million people in the UK on a waiting list trying to, trying to get a treatment. Ambulances are waiting. They're supposed to only wait four hours before getting a patient into the hospital and of course they can't meet those targets they're having to get rid of the targets the average wait for cancer treatment in the uk is is, it's now it's much greater than the 62 day um, time frame that says the, the nhs says patients have to be treated for cancer within 62 days of diagnosis they can't even meet that requirement and can you think how as if an american was told that you'd have to wait over 62 days to get an appointment for cancer treatment, the American people would go crazy. They're, they're used to having it right away. Right, absolutely. So, so Sally, um, what what really um, puzzles me is uh, the the people who are saying these things publicly, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. You know, they've got. You know, these are these are elitists. That's that's who they are, and um, they they pretend to be um, um, of the people, but they're really elitists. And elitists um, know that they can they can uh, um, impose 
uh, a, a, a draconian measures on the population, but they would be exempt from it. How I, I can't figure out where these people think they're going to be getting their health care. Well, I mean, think about Bernie Sanders on the campaign trail last fall, Hal, when he had a heart incident. Right. Bernie Sanders, he went to a private um, hospital in Las Vegas, Nevada, had his surgery done right away. And so here is the free market, is the, the, the American system that took care of him right away. Right. If he had been in Canada and had, had this um, incident, he would have had to wait, you know, over three weeks just to get an appointment to have an angioplasty test. Exactly. And so the system that, that he's living under and allows him to get the very best care is the one that he wants to have taken away. And he'll probably, just like in any situation, um, you know, if you're in the in the government and you're a person in in power, you know, he'll he'll be paying money to somehow under the table, just like in Canada, in British Columbia, where the where as I say, private health care is outlawed. My friend Dr. Brian Day, who runs the private Canby Clinic, has been fighting in the BC Supreme Court for over three years to try to get the government to say that private care could could be there and it. And he, he sees over 60,000 patients a year and treats them privately. And it's, you know, and it's the very politicians that are using his system, private care to get timely care, that's fighting him in the court saying we can't allow this. So that's another, another important um, point that really needs to be hammered home for people to understand that that these politicians are advocating a system where it would be illegal for um, physicians to administer care to them. They would be they would be um, subject to, to prosecution if they're caught. But they want to, they they expect to still be able to get this, and it's it's it it's, it, it just doesn't doesn't um, you, the, you can't square that circle. It's just it just doesn't make sense. No, no, it absolutely um, doesn't. And, you know, for, I mean, so many Canadian doctors, when the government took over fully the health care system in 1984 under the Canada Health Act, a lot of doctors, you know, retired from medicine after a year when they found out how difficult it was and they couldn't practice the kind of medicine they were trained for. Or moved to the but U.S. A lot of them, they moved to, the, many moved to the United States. There's, a, you know, if you look, go to the Mayo Clinic or any, um, any, um, 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 uh, clinic of, of doctors here. Invariably, you'll meet Canadian doctors who left the system because they couldn't. They were they were completely controlled by what the government was willing to, to allow them to do. They even tried in Canada to say there weren't enough. Do- you hear this in the U.S. Well, there aren't enough, you know, specialists in rural hospitals, and so we need to get more docs to go to rural hospitals. Well, a lot of specialized, um, highly specialized doctors. They don't want to go to a rural community because the you know the the, the type of medicine they can practice or the equipment isn't there, whatever. So this was a problem in Canada, and so the the provincial governments were forcing um, Canadian specialists to go and practice for a few years. You know, to get a medallion to go and practice in a small you know out of the way community that didn't have access to the kind of um, equipment that they needed to do their medicine. They had to finally you know get rid of that because there was so much of, of, a, of an outcry. In Britain today, 
they're now posing this new idea because of the long waiting times for people to see doctors that we would have to do group appointments. So groups of 15 <laughs> patients would have to go and see how. And, you know, you might, I might not want to discuss my problem in front of 14 other people that I don't know. Right. Um, and, and, and in Canada, the other thing is that you're only allowed to book, when you book your doctor's appointment and you finally get it, you're only allowed to discuss one issue with the doctor. You might have two or three issues, but you have to book separate appointments. This is what would happen, and Bernie Sanders never talks about, you know, what what how the access would work. No, no, because Bernie Sanders is saying you can get all the care you want free anywhere by any doctor that you decide to go to. It's just a pack of lies. We all we all know that, and that's what needs to be really exposed. But. Um, you know, I want to spend the last part of, of the show talking about the PIPES plan, not about the, the dangers of single-payer or socialized health care. In your book, you, um, you talk about ways that um, we can move that will actually be an alternative to this nonsensical, make-believe world that the socialists are trying to, um, to sell to people. Why don't, why don't you uh, uh, discuss that a bit? Right. Well, so, uh, Hal, as you know, we were all, we sort of met around the time of Obamacare. It'll, that law, uh, the Affordable Care Act, will be 10 years old on March 23rd this year. Um, there were several attempts to get rid of it and um, in, the, in the U.S. Supreme Court, and two attempts, and it didn't happen. Um, there is a, a case in, in Texas when the individual mandate was dropped um, in January uh, 1st of 2018 um, that, that a number of Republican attorneys general said the whole law was then unconstitutional. That went to the appeals court um, in New Orleans. It's now back in the Texas lower court um, waiting um, um, to see to sort of provide some more information. But the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court on February 28th has said they are going to make a decision if they're going to take up, up this case. But in the meantime, you know, Obamacare has not worked, and the when uh, um, Donald Trump became the president in, 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 in came into office in 2017, he had promised the American people that he would repeal and replace Obamacare. And as you know, that that didn't happen. And John McCain uh, thwarted uh, the attempt to get that through. And so here we are. We're in, a, in the same situation. Obamacare is still there. It's not working. But we, as people who are fighting single payer, have to have. A, a plan uh, to, you know, make some changes to our healthcare system, and the big one of the biggest issues is we we want we can achieve universal coverage in this country if we offer universal choice. If you look at things like the short-term limited duration plans that um, the uh, administration uh, brought into being, the association health plans. Well, if you look at short-term limited duration plans, which can be a young person can individual can buy a plan for 12 months carry it forward for three years and there are no Obamacare can essential health benefits in it and it's as Alex Azar Secretary of HHS said it's not for everyone but it is for a certain segment of the population and today only 19 states are allowing short-term limit duration plans blue state um, governments are saying this is terrible it's junk insurance it's sabotaging the Affordable Care Act but it's giving people choice and we need um choice in our system. As I say, universal coverage can be achieved if we have universal choice. And what you're doing, Hal, with Docs for Patient Care, you support putting doctors and patients in charge of their health care, not the federal government. But, you know, we have to 
um, change the tax code. The federal government got us into this mess in World War II when wage and price controls were in, allowing employers to write off the cost of their health care and for employees to get their health care tax-free. But if you lose your job or you quit your job or you don't have a a job that has coverage, you have to buy your health care with after-tax dollars. And we need to change that so that individuals can buy their health care with with, uh, pre-tax dollars in the same way. I want to get rid of employer-sponsored coverage, but as you know, it's probably not going to happen um, in in the short term. But that is is the goal uh, for us. And health savings accounts, which you, we and I talked about earlier, we need to increase the amount of money that people can put into their HSAs. That is money you put into an account each month. You combine, you carry it forward tax-free, and then um, you have to combine it with a high-deductible insurance plan. But we should allow people to use their HSA to pay for their premiums. We, need, we should allow people on Medicare to contribute to their HSA, which is not possible um, today. We need to, you know, expand retail clinics. Retail clinics are another way where young families or even or any family or any person, you know, if they have a sore throat or whatever, they don't need to book an appointment um, with their, their physician. They can go to a retail clinic at a time that's convenient uh, to them. We need to expand that. Um, we need to raise the age of eligibility for Medicare. Today, the average American lives to age 79, and the, uh, Medicare kicks in if you wanted it. Age, <clears throat> age 65. But how, as you know, so many one in three new Medicare eligibles can't even find a doctor because of those 25 percent lower reimbursement rates than they get for treating private patients. So we need to means test it. Why should someone like Bert, um, uh, Warren Buffett even be eligible for Medicare when he can, you know, purchase his own private coverage? So we need to reform Medicare. We need to reform Medicaid through uh, block grants block grants to the states rather than having the um, the federal government in, in charge of, of Medicaid giving the money, sending the money out to the states. I think price transparency is a huge part. One of the reasons why there's so much um, um, displeasure with the insurance industry is that people don't know what things cost. And so when you have to have a surgery or whatever, or you need an MRI, we need price transparency so people can shop around and, and get the best price. And that will also reduce the cost of health care. So those are some of the things. Tort reform is a big issue. Doctors practice defensive medicine because they're afraid of being sued. And that, PricewaterhouseCoopers says, costs $210 billion a year. We can reduce the cost of health care if we cap non-economic damages and we cap punitive damages. That will help to solve the, some of the, the problems. So we need to open up the system, give people more options, bring about competition, empowering doctors and patients. So those are some of the things that um, I think are so very important because if, if we don't, you know, make these changes and push and educate the American public on why single-payer will be bad, uh, we will be not able to do any of these things that you and I support in terms of a, a plan to bring about more competition. Sally, so many people focus on insurance, and you've, you've mentioned so much in, in the last couple of minutes, so many, so many aspects of things that, that, um, that are centered around insurance. But pe- and, and people falsely equate insurance, health care insurance with health care. And, and they're, they're not the same, and you know that, but I think that many people f- 
fail to make that distinction. And I think that the reason why we're talking so much about coverage and tax treatment and all of these things is because health care is so darn expensive now. And the reason why it's expensive is why is what we really need to focus on. You mentioned a, a couple of them, which is, which is price transparency. Um, you you mentioned about um, about uh, you know uh, mandate ma- mandates, um, but but I think that the 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 elephants in the room are the special interests that the government has um, empowered or or put in in positions to rape the system and suck important dollars out of the system and away from patients, and I think that if um, We've got right now a president who has been determined to um, to get rid of regulations, and I think that um, if we can deregulate healthcare and open it up to what the rest of the economy is subject to, which are market forces and stop giving hospitals, stop giving pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, all of these breaks. Insure uh, healthcare and plus uncoupling it and making it not a third party event, but making insurance what it should be, which is a hedge against a, a, um, a catastrophic event and not first dollar um, spent out of pocket. Um, I think that we would find that many of these problems would would evaporate instantly. Well, well absolutely how <clears throat> and direct primary care is an example of that and that's expanding, you know, significantly and particularly in, in places like Florida where there are a lot of, you know, older older people. And Milton Friedman, my mentor who wrote the foreword to my first book, you know, said one of the problems that one of the reasons healthcare is so expensive is because people use a lot of it because they have First dollar coverage. They don't, and they have no idea what the cost is. The, their their employer pays their their premium, and so they think, well, if they pay a small copay or a small part of the premium, they think that's what healthcare costs. And so they, like in anything, they use a lot more of it. But in America, America is a great country because we can decide which toaster we want to buy, which bank we want to use, which um, you know, whatever whatever it is. Whatever, whatever, HBO car we want to drive. Yeah, right. Exactly. Where healthcare, um, it's it's not. It's there's no there's no choice, and fifty percent of healthcare today is in the hands of government through, as you know, Medicare, uh, Medicaid, the program for low income, the CHIP program for kids, and the VA, which is a single payer system. And I wish people would read the paper, watch television, and see the horror stories that our vets face under the single payer. Veterans Administration. You, that is an example. If you listen to the um, to America's Web Radio later today, there's going to be a show that will discuss at, at ten o'clock um, the the problems with the VA and kind of be an expose piece today. But you're a hundred percent right. I mean, so you know, we we need to get you know the insurance companies, the the PBMs. The pharmaceutical benefit oh, managers—they're the people that, you know, reap the benefits of the the program, the plans that are negotiated. It's the, the the benefits don't go to the patient in terms of going to the pharma the pharmacy and getting 
getting the, the lower price drugs that they should be getting. Yeah. So you're right, lobbying is a huge part of, of this issue, and government is a major, major player. People in Canada say, oh, the horrible United States, you know, people are dying in the streets. Um, first of all, nobody should die in the streets in America anyway. Everybody is entitled to get coverage, even illegals turn up at the emergency room and get very expensive coverage. But, you know, they 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 have that access and Bernie Sanders wants all illegals to be um, covered under under his health care system, which will add more to the cost of it. Right. The only people who are dying in the streets are people who choose to die in the streets. Right, exactly. And people who are, you know, drug addicts and and, um, mentally you know, ill, and that's a big yeah. problem. Mental health and is, mentally is a, Ill, yeah. that's a big problem in our country, and and um, and shame on us for for taking the positions that we've taken and turned our back on on this segment of of our our uh, population that are suffering from these problems, and and that's something that we really should be focusing on um, instead of this nonsensical business about how we can um, change the entire healthcare system. To, to take care of 10 million people who who truly are the real ones affected by no no health care. Right, exactly. And if you, you know, you, Bernie keeps saying there are 80 million people that are have no insurance uh, or uninsured and have no, um, or have are underinsured. Well, if you look at the Census Bureau and break that number down, how um, 25% of the 27 million who are supposedly uninsured 25% were eligible for Medicaid or CHIP didn't sign up. Uh, 30% were eligible for the Obamacare subsidies that kick in at, uh, from 138 to 400% of the federal poverty level. They didn't enroll on the exchanges because the plans were too expensive and the deductibles were too high. 14% declined employer-sponsored coverage. Um, 7% were not eligible for subsidies, and many so they decided the, care, the exchange coverage was too expensive. And then 4 4 million, 15% um, were ineligible for, for subsidies, but they were illegal immigrants. Yeah. So you have to really break down that onion and right. say, okay, it, you know, this this is what he's telling the American... Elizabeth Warren gets up there and says, I've never met a person who likes their insurance. Well, there are a lot of problems with the insurance industry, but, you know, I would say that with 71% of people with employer coverage saying they rated as excellent or good, there must be some people there that actually like Exactly. You know the American healthcare system, and they li- are alive because of it. So, Sally, we've got we've got one minute. I want a closing cl- one closing line. I want to thank you for being on the show today. I want everybody to go to Amazon and, and buy her book, "False Premise, False Promise: The Disastrous Reality of Medicare for All" by Sally Pipes. Sally, what's what's the one word you want to leave everybody with? I think PJ O'Rourke's. Um, statement. If you think healthcare is expensive now, just wait until it's free. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Well, I, this is this has been a, a very enlightening discussion, something that we need to have more of, and, and I so appreciate you getting up early to be on the show to uh, talk about this issue with us, and I hope you'll come back. Well, thank you, Helen, and you too, and um, here's hoping that Docs for Patient Care and the Foundation are you know, getting a lot of docs because it's very worrying about what, you know, how the, all these young docs, you know, want, want single payer and they don't have any idea what, what it'll mean for them. So they have to support you so they can find out the truth. We're trying. Thank you so much for being with us, Sally. And come join us next week when my co-host, Dr. Barber, will be back in the, uh, in the director's seat in the doctor's lounge.
Good. Well, thank you, Hal. Take care. America's Bank Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.